Obi and Ashley, all right, we're getting right into today's Unfiltered. And what's cool about the Unfiltered podcast, again, is we have our regular podcast, which is stripped of all the music, all the commercials, and just the morning show. But sometimes we have these really rich interviews, whether it's Blake Shelton, Luke Bryan, in this case, somebody who's an icon, at least in, in my heart. A- Ashley, I see it in your eyes, too. 100%. I mean, he was someone we were so excited to have uh, on our show, and I'm talking about Tim Allen who the reason we had this opportunity is because he's coming to town for a comedy show, stand-up comedy at the Dr. Phillips Center, uh, Friday, January 7th. So the fact that we get to talk to him and how open he was in this interview, in this conversation, because that's what it really was. He turned it into a conversation, not an interview. Yeah, and again, I I think sometimes you just have to build somebody up really quick before you get into the interview. Remember Home Improvement. Remember Last Man Standing. You know, that that did really well. And then the movies from uh, The Claws to Christmas with the Cranks. Uh, Road Hogs, I mean, I'm going to talk about it all in this interview. Don't forget the him voicing Buzz Lightyear. He is Buzz Lightyear. Why do Lightyear. I forget that? Like, <laughs> I why know. do I forget that? But uh, without further ado, let's get into that unfiltered interview. So again, no editing in this interview with the one and only Tim Allen. Good morning, Tim Allen here on the phone. No way! Ah! Okay, cool. Hey. Uh, hey. Hold on, sorry. I had to do a little bit of a freak out there for a second. We have to Just, gather ourselves. Okay, it freaked you. It- you freaked me out. Okay, I've got to sit down now. Okay, I'm, I'm really sorry. Typically what they do with us, Tim, is they say, okay, we're going to have Tim Allen for you here in, in, in two minutes, and then they pass it to you. And then, you know, in that two minutes, we get a chance to, to gather ourselves, you know, get some composure. <laughs> um, but, brother, it's good to be talking to you, man. I thank you so much for making time for us here in Orlando. <laughs> well, you're welcome. It's great. I mean, thanks for having me. Obviously, it's a mutually assured destruction. Well, we're going to talk about why you're coming, but first of all, I had to ask, of course, doing a little research, as you would know, considering you went to college for radio and TV, I've got to ask you about that. It might have been a little while ago, and your journey's taken you many different ways, but that is pretty cool. That's exciting for us when you've got um, huge stars as yourself who kind of worked or have a little bit of experience and a taste of our field. Well, not only that, I started with uh, WXYZ Radio in Detroit with talk radio, and I did that. Uh, it, I, I wish I could remember. I think it was 11 to 4. It, it, so I got about three calls. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And then one of my one of the girls that I always wanted to date, her mom was, was such a fan of mine. She, she'd call up as different people several times during the night, and i go, um, I, Vera, I know it's you again. Oh my, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's and hilarious! Because it, yeah, it was a, and I, I lurked, I um, learned also with some, um, my, oh, I can't I, give Mike Carroll, um, Paul Freeze, I think I, I worked around in Detroit area at Ron Rose Studios. Also learned from some of the best VO, the voiceover talents that were not only radio people, some of them were just voiceover talents, and I, I just adored working with. For, Radio and also during my so many tours in comedy throughout the just like this morning, I learned that uh, morning radio sports and morning radio talk was really the deal. It was. It's kind of in a way you guys don't realize the gem you have, or maybe you do. It's, it's such it's such a part of a America that's not underrated. That isn't the word. It's kind of un, un, it's like shortwave radio. I, I still like shortwave radio and ham radio and that sort of stuff. Sure, sure. You know, radio is always a big deal. And I would just we were just writing with my, one of my kids because they they watch you know TV and devices. They don't even they don't watch TV that much, let alone AM or FM radio. Well, that's that's interesting that you say that though because a lot of people 
don't know the gem. We know the gem, but in a lot of people like yourself in your field too don't know necessarily radio unless you work in it. And I got to say too, uh, my parents are both from outside the Detroit area. My dad went to Farmington High, so he's a, he's a big nice. fan. Oh, great. I'm trying to get him there Friday with me. Work a little harder. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, Tim, can you? I want you to drop a little bit of wisdom because when you started doing radio, I mean, obviously nobody knows that their future is going to take them where it's going to take them. Can, can you say to somebody right now who's got their first job or their first gig somewhere and they're like, man, this isn't what I want to do. What did radio do for you to get you to be the Tim Allen that you are today? Radio is, it was about production, about setting up what it takes to get where you are. And it was step by step by step. And the best thing about radio and then eventually TV and film production is all the, all the, groundwork it gets to get you where you want and it's step by step by step and radio there is no more basic you got to get in there and you, you you're looking across your engineer that's i learned that stuff first that's the the primary stuff and it reminds me of everything i've done in home improvement to last man standing the, the careers i've had those mirror uh, sporting goods and then the construction industry and it all taught me all the way through the basics of it is process getting where you want to go and there's no better process to me exactly was am radio and especially one engineer myself a radio signal voice talent and then you had to get some way to connect with your audience and it was really a a, a primer in getting wow um, your personality to express itself well we love that you have such an appreciation (laughs) hell yeah that's awesome um but i want to ask you too about the journey and you're talking about the processes of radio and then you got into tv and now, you know, Home Improvement was so big. I love that show. And then Last Man Standing, what did it take for you to say, okay, yeah, I want to come back to TV and do this this show? It was a, a, a challenge, really a challenge like anything. It was, you know, I got Home Improvement took me away from my love of stand-up because I, it was very difficult timing to keep on the road. So I kind of put a pause button and to go back to comedy was was it was probably you know, 15, 20 years ago when I got back on the road again. The second show, Last Man Standing, was a challenge. I said, if I, I, I put it in my head, if I was, I build hot rods all the time. I said, God, if I wanted to put an electric motor on a hot rod, which I'm building now, I said, what would it take? Just curious to me. And I do that all the time with motors and engines. I said, what would it take to put a bigger engine in it? And in that case, I said, if I did a show, what would, what would I want to do? And I said, I used to work in a, uh, uh, sporting goods, a very small town was well, in Michigan, but they sold a lot of stuff, guns, fishing, and everything. I loved that job. And I, and I said, if I were to do another show, I would, instead of construction and building trades like la- or home improvement, I would do that. And instead of having three sons, just completely reverse it, have three daughters. Wow. So yeah. Said, well, that would be a way to do it, but I have to have a way to talk to the audience like we did at Tool Time. So that was the Mike Baxter vlogs. And then I needed a mentor. And that was the Ed Elzate at Last Man Standing. And I still, I mean, everything worked exactly right. I have daughters. So it was, it was a really watershed thing for me to be able to express how, in my world, how I'm, as I said all through college, I was raised by women, real strong women, and I said I, I, w- I became a masculinist as opposed to a feminist. I was <laughs> I understand female points of view because I had a strong mother, aunt, grand, two grandmas that raised us, and I said right. that 
what it was what it, what it took to be a man, and that was what the the show Last Man Standing really taught me. How is, how is it to be a dad who's a kind of a, a, a masculinist or a, a male figure right. who has daughters? So you really can't be uh, an anti-feminist or a misogynist. It was, and that was the fun. Everything in that show was revolving around my respect and admiration for the wife and the three girls. You know what's interesting, Tim, is that is that as we sit here and as you tell me about that, I, I'm I'm sitting here refreshed with this feeling of. Dude, we owe you major congratulations for helping raise America from oh, the fa- yeah from the family values and, and home improvement and then last man standing. Not only that, but look, look at this. I, I'm even looking at you know Santa Claus the movie, uh, even yeah. Road Hogs. You know, like my kids, just you've helped raise America. The young adult that I am, I was a kid who was watching Home Improvement. You know, I'm 40 now. Uh, but you, yeah, you, he uses oh, young man, adult. You don't look forty. That shirt makes you look so young. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I I knew he'd notice. Uh, but thank you, just thank you. I don't know if that was your intention, but if that's the way that God used you, man, wow, what what a gift. Listen, I you I've had the the the, the gift and the gratefulness, as you said, of having the great people put in my life. It isn't me, really. I will definitely be, drive the race car, as you know. You have a team. And the way the way it works, and you put it put it bluntly, as God plans it, I ride it. And the deal is, the people both shows had magnificent uh, role models for me, as well as men and women. The the the, the staffs, the writing, the production, the lighting. You you if you'd see the pictures that I have in my office of all the people that put Home Improvement together for sure, and then Last Man Standing. It became a family, and there's so many good people, all of us directed towards that, whether we agreed and we did not agree in politics in the writer's room. Right. When it got out there, we pre- we presented a, a little higher ambition of stuff besides the rudimentary stuff about, you know, right and wrong and who's, you know, taxes and all that stuff. We made jokes about it. The whole idea was – Family and connection supersede all that stuff, and it, it sounds trite. You get writers that live that life, and writers that all of the people that put put those shows together, you would you would call them family. Now you're talking about the family. You're talking about everybody who helps put the productions together. You're giving them so much love. You're honoring them the way that the way that a, a, a really true uh, great person should. But now here we are talking about stand up. All those people are gone. It's just you. That microphone and us. Why do you still love it? I just did a warm up last night on Sunset Boulevard, and as I said to my one of my lifelong friends is out here visiting my family, and he hasn't seen me in quite a while. He said, "Are you still doing this?" I said, "There's no greater love I have for making people laugh as getting laughter." I went and saw Richard Pryor, George Carlin, some others when I was younger. Wow, and. There is no greater joy than laughing, laughing. It's an expression of so much. It's it's a version of crying, I believe. Oh, wow. You release so much stuff. I love <laughs> laughing. I love it. People that make me laugh, men or women that make me laugh, I'm, I'm immediately attracted to. And then I can do that, so I get so much joy out of watching people laugh, and especially the show you guys will see in Orlando – you know, God willing, that I don't screw up my timing. It's like a, a concert. <laughs> if you like this avenue that I'm going down, basically, 
I'm, I, I talk, uh, I'm all over the place. It's like an eclectic cars that I build. I joke mostly about rudimentary stuff that we all, you'll see elements of Mike Baxter, Tim Taylor, even Santa Claus. And I talk about all this stuff. Mostly it's about little things in life that I noticed that I think are so weird that, and I tie them all together in a big story. My, my joy is my trick, the tricky magicians are a, a version of comedians. And I vice love versa. it. I love it. it. The trick you, you know, the trick I'm going to make you laugh. And you you almost test me. Oh yeah. How are you going to do it? And I'm just manipulate gestures and all that stuff. The bottom line is I get so much joy out of it. Like last night I said, Oh man, they're going to, they're going to love this next trick, if you will. Because they're buying this, and this is great, and it's all—it's all literally out of. Yeah, it sounds again sounds odd. It's all about love. I saw that show with Pryor, and I end up said that guy changed my freaking life. I said that's the, the fun. That's the best I've felt, and that guy gave me a gift. And wow. I worked all my stand-up life to be able to do even a quarter of what that man did. Wow. And you mentioned, you know, seeing his show and what an impact he made on you. And you could tell how fulfilling these stand-up shows are for you and and your personal fulfillment and what you love to do. Who's been anyone under you that stands out the most as a a comedian that you really feel like you took under your wing or that you have a close relationship with? God, that's a a kind of a... Intense question. <laughs> I've worked with so many guys. I've worked with the same opening act, Lowell Sanders. He and I have worked together since we were both in our twenties. Wow! So, and I, I would. It would be hard pressed for me to say anybody that's watched me that I would know because I said to people, it's quite an admission on my side that that, that it was prior and a little bit. Of, I mean, Carlin, I love his observational humor. His prior's ability was guttural you know self-effacing he made fun of himself most of the time during it in in an honorable way you could tell that he he liked himself loved himself as well as made fun of himself so that's a good question i don't i mentoring no because i have not carried all the way through my stand-up you always have a i started off as an opening act then a middle act then a headliner in the in my view the guys, they, they, if if I have mentored someone, they haven't mentioned it. Wow. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there's plenty out there. And I thank you for being so generous with your time with us this morning. We're loving this moment and I this mean, time really. with you, <laughs> and the fact that you're you're so open to discussing everything. I do want to ask you about the hot rod you're building because we here in Orlando. I mean, the Mika Motto show is here this week. Yep. Huge, huge show. My husband loves. Uh, motors he's an adrenaline junkie our audience knows that so what's the latest project you're working on oh i have oddly enough i just finished a um 66 chevy corvair corsa because i used to race one on woodward a weird car that my brother had and once i got it dialed up it's a lot faster than it looks and i wondered if chevy hadn't stopped making them what would it have been so i took it to the um, I lowered it, better suspension, really went after the interior as though GM still made it. And I get more looks <laughs> per mile. Every time I drive that car and I just got it painted Ferrari red after everything was done. <laughs> so that's cool. on one. That's just re- That'll be ready in a week. And then I've been working for three years on a 32 Ford Vicky suicide door model that was a Detroit Auto Show winner probably back in the 70s or 80s. What? And I found it in a garage. The 
as I call it, my older daughters help, help and build it. I said, it's the stance. The chop is perfect. And I went nuts. And I know I'm going to get, I feel like a, a communist. I put electric motors in it. <laughs> I put the electric motors up front and I dial them up to look like they're, like a, they're gorgeous. Everything about the thing is vintage correct. The interior is mohair. I got wool interior with a Bakelite dash. Wow. It'll be coming out soon. It's been taking forever to get the the EV people to communicate with hot rodders. They, they're two different versions of right. of builders, and it, that's been the challenge. It's going to be different. You know, I have big eight, 900-horsepower cars, and this is an electric car, and if you haven't driven them, it – in the worst way, they're like golf carts. They have very, they do what they do. They get you to someplace else quietly and efficiently. The best is they, they have ultimate amount of torque. They are so damn fast. Right. They have no personality. So right now, <laughs> I'm working on one with a great personality, if you will, and but it's smooth and quiet. So for a cruiser like this, I'm okay that it doesn't have an engine. Wow. No, my husband. We were just with uh, one of his pals here in Orlando in Central Florida that works in the industry and he, his pals got a Shelby uh truck and they were talking about the electric engines like can you imagine someone pulling up to you expecting this rev revin and an engine and, and I heard they're making like fake noises yeah they have a ability there's a, a Tesla that has a USB drive that plugs in it's not right yet it's still kind of uh, it's just not right yet it's <laughs> Audi has noises on their e-tron that let it, that, but some of it sounds like a, a Tom Cruise space movie. You know, it has <laughs> it has that wooey. It, it's a little weird. I I will eventually get to the point if you could. <laughs> I said it's the opposite of a muffler. You have an amplifier, and that's why I've been playing around with with a bunch of musicians out here is if I could go through a sampler and take the noise, I don't even want to give it up because someone's going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got a copyright. We'll and, keep yeah. it secret. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Well, well Tim, we're, we're very limited as far as we don't want to, we don't want to keep you too long. We, we do have five questions that uh, my partner here is going to just give you really fast. And, um, It'll get us uh, closer to you, I, even though I feel like we know you so much. I, I feel you're like you're, you're like my, my oh, man, I was just going to call Family you my member. dad. Yeah, like an oh. uncle. All right. Let's say that the, uh, the uncle that you stopped by his house, my Uncle Carl was my, my, like my best buddy, so I'll go there with you. Nice. Perfect. Nice. So, Tim, this is great because normally we're used to country stars, you know, Blake Shelton's, the Garth Brooks, and, and as well as they're amazing. With Rare, we get to have folks like you on the show. So, in the hot seat with Tim Allen, it's Obi and Ashley. Question number one for you, the last gift you gave. Last gift I gave. Gosh, I got to remember, I gave my older daughter these really beautiful uh, Christmas earrings. Nice. I came in, they came in late for Christmas, and I sent them to her when she was on the road. And she just showed back up here in Los Angeles, and I said, are you having those on? She moved the hair away from her ear, and I go, yeah, and they were, they were perfect. Aw, a win, a win of a gift there. All right, question two. What is Tim I, Tim Allen's idea of relaxing? Oh God, it's a <laughs> tough one because I don't I don't do it easily. I think I love going to movies, uh, raisinets, popcorn, and I get a big ah, sitting in one of those big chairs. Even in today's crazy, crazy horrid, hate this stupid virus, mm-hmm. and it said movies are difficult now. You have guess 
I still think that's how I like to react, react. like to by myself, early show, 10 o'clock, head in there with nobody in it and watch a movie. Perfect. Cool. Love cool. it. All right. Question three here. The smartest investment you ever made, you know, crypto and everything's been so hot over the last couple of years. What about you? Smartest investment in general? In general, it's been cars and I didn't mean it to be that way. I bought, uh, I've been very fortunate. I've saved money. I'm a creeper of all my stand-up money. Once I paid all my bills off, some yeah, I got a lot of trouble when I was young, and I had a lot of legal problems and taxes. When once I got everything paid up, paid my parents back, wow. I started saving. I bought every car that I, I had model cars all over my bedroom, <laughs> and I pretty much owned or still own every model car I ever had. And, and my one wow. of my accountants says, "You've done really well with these cars." When I flip, <laughs> I didn't buy them to do that, but almost everyone, almost everyone, I you know that's been one of the better investments. Definitely, so cool, very cool. All right, four. Here we go. The chore around the house you'd rather pay someone to do because you hate it so much. Yeah, and I don't mind doing stuff. It's plumbing. I can't get it. <laughs> I adore plumbers. I don't know. They, the space underneath the sink is so compact. They all must have back problems. <laughs> the fact oh, that we yeah. get fresh water into our houses and black and gray water out of our houses is amazing to me still. But plumbing, I, I got I got to get a guy help me out. Uh, don't don't tell me that. I still picture Tim the Toolman Taylor. All right. <laughs> I, I end up I end up I can do a little electrical work and the construction same all right with but plumbing for some reason intimidates me. All okay. right. Okay. okay. Last question for you, Tim. Thank you so much again for your time. We can't wait to see you Friday night at the Dr. Phillips Center. Are you a name brand or generic type of guy when it comes to items or products? I'm definitely function. If the functional one, and it means that, unfortunately, I have to trust reviews on the Internet. But if it's a, if it's a functional piece, it's the fu- form follows function. If it works, then it's the best brand. It's not always the case that the cheaper version works better than the brand name. There's always a, a, little, a little caveat. Sometimes buying the best is my my grandpa said. If you can afford quality, that's different than the best. If you can afford quality, always go for quality. And I'll throw that out because tools I have. You can buy a bag of wrenches for fifteen bucks at the cheap tool place, or you can go with Fiskar from Germany, and you'll hold that wrench in your hand and you go, "I'm never going to loan this out." <laughs> oh wow. You know, there are, there are there is this thing is called quality. If you search for that from an old book, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, Robert Persig wrote it. It's a book about the idea of quality. And that's a good question. But I said quality is what I, I, I search for. Love well, it. good Thank deal. So well, much. Tim Allen again with Obie and Ashley here on K92.3. Speaking of quality, as a human, you have provided us with some quality, man. We cannot yeah. wait to see you on that stage. And remember, I always throw this out after all this family stuff. It's not for family. I kind of, I can't, is my, <laughs> yeah, 18 you and swear up. a lot. And that's basically, <laughs> I just don't like annoying children. Don't, it's, it's 18 and above. It's not, it's, it's, it's definitely Santa Claus talking, but you can hear stories <laughs> about Santa Claus. I said, it, but I like to say it's, it's family friendly as long as you're over 18. You're a gem, no brother. No Buzz Yeah. Thanks again. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, guys. Yeah, it's a long life.